home and to preach and do what he would normally do at his home. I don't know if that's a risk or anything else, but <laughs> that's fine. But uh, um, so, yeah, Tony, over to you. Good morning. Oh, thanks, James. No, I'd never do that. That would be too dangerous. You certainly would never want me back. At the best of times, you won't want me back. But anyway, I'll behave myself as best as I can. Good morning. It's really good to be here. Thanks for your iPad, Werner. Um, I'm sure it will be a whole lot more anointed preach this morning because I'm not using my own iPad. But uh, I believe that the anointing is here in, uh, in Crawley. It's good to be here. Isn't the weather wonderful? No, I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm, I'm not joking. Yesterday I got so hot that we had to get out of the sun. And so at least we're having some relief from the sun today. So I'm sure you'd prefer maybe it differently. But uh, it's good to be here. Uh, uh, as James said, uh, my name is Tony, my wife Susanna. Thanks for having us, uh, James and Lisa, and good to be here uh, with you. We come as, uh, as servants of the Lord. We come as a brother and a sister of yours. We come here to learn. We come to encourage you. Uh, we certainly don't know everything. Uh, we've got lots to learn, uh, but we've got something to give, and that's uh, the love of the Lord that we have. Um, I, I, yeah, I, as we were singing, you know, everything is yours, Lord, and um, you're, you're all that I need. You know, I'm actually going through a very tough time at the moment, my wife and I, so it's not easy for us to sing that. You know, sometimes we can sing stuff that we don't really mean, or we can sing stuff we don't really feel. Um, and so, uh, I'll get to that. I lead a church in four ways, or we lead a church in four ways, Johannesburg, uh, one of the most dangerous cities in the world, um, but God is moving mightily there. People are getting saved. We're baptizing people. There's a real move of God in, in our church and in, in South Africa, you know. So as much as it's a, it's a tough place to live, um, God's moving tremendously. So we lead a church. I think they're having a, we have a few meetings on a Sunday morning, and the last one is happening right now at 11 o'clock. So greetings to them. They bring greetings to you. I'm married for 32 years to this beautiful Danish lady. She's a, a Dane. I'm a South African, and we have four children and six grandchildren. Isn't that amazing? Six grandchildren. That's my claim to fame. Don't ask me how big my church is. People, uh, when we first planted the church, right in the beginning, people said, how big is your church? So I said, well, we're under 1,000. Oh, really? Under 1,000? Yeah, we're under 1,000. We've only been going for a month. But, we, <laughs> but uh, my claim to fame is not how big the church is, how good we are, what we got in our bank. My claim to fame is I've got six grandchildren. Is there anyone here that's got more grandchildren than me? No, stop bragging. Put your hands down. Stop bragging. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, I, we, okay. you win. No, actually, I've still got uh, another son who's just got married. So he could have four, so I'll have six, plus the other one could have one. That's 11. That's, uh, I'll have a lot more. I'll be the winner. Next time I come here. I'll... Yeah. So, Tony, will you get to the word, you know? <laughs> we'll get there. You know, I just wanted you to know who, who's talking to you. Um, my daughter and her husband and four children are off to Australia tomorrow. Uh, and that's not great. I'm not happy about it. I'm, honestly, I'm not happy about it. But, uh, you know, everything the Lord asked me to do, I'm not always happy about but uh, that's no disrespect to the Lord, but it's hard. It's not easy. You know, they're going for the gospel. They're going to advance the kingdom. And I say, Lord, what about these people? Send them. Leave my, leave my children alone. You can send you guys, you know. 
Or, or at least they could have come to England. It would be a lot easier than Australia. Would you agree? Any Australians here? Okay, let me, let me be here. Okay, but uh, anyway, it's, uh, they often, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough time for us, you know. We're here in England, uh, we're off to Denmark after this, we sharing the gospel with people, go to see some friends from Johannesburg, and, uh, and yet we can live with this, my wife and I have the same, life is beautiful, isn't it? Life is beautiful. There's so many attributes that life gives that are beautiful, but at the same time it's brutal. It's brutal, you know. Uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago, we buried a young lady in our church that died of cancer. She got at the funeral. There's two young, her two young boys crying. There's brutal, man. We watched them crying as they lowered her body into the ground. It's b- brutal, isn't it? But the beauty is, she's in heaven with Jesus. Isn't that a magnificent? She's she's absent from the body, but present with the Lord. And so, uh, so we 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 enjoy the. The beauty, when we can, and we, we know that God is working through the brutality when he does. He will turn all things for our good. So, so be encouraged, you know. Don't, uh, you know. I think it's a false gospel that people preach that, you know, when you come to the Lord, everything's going to be perfect. You know, my life hasn't been perfect for the last 32, 36 years of following the Lord, but he has been faithful. And we sang that song, he has been faithful and he has been good, and he will continue to be faithful, even in this trying time with our children uh, immigrating to Australia. It's brutal, but it's going to be beautiful when we visit them. So uh, a little bit of who I am. This morning I'm going to share a, yeah, it's quite a, a hectic message. But uh, I know that we're living in, we're in England with some tough people, you know. You must be tough to live in this weather. I'm oh, not just teasing. <laughs> but uh, I'm just teasing. The reality is... Uh, I love letters. I don't know about you. Uh, we don't do letters anymore. You know, young people don't even know how to write any longer. Cursive, or they, they just type, you know, on their phones. But uh, Susanna and I, when we were dating, we used to write letters to one another. She's got a whole box of letters that I wrote to her. I'm, I'm terrified that somebody will discover those letters <laughs> and read them and find out how, how soft I was, you know. <laughs> But uh, so when, if I die before you burn those letters, don't leave them behind. But she used to write me letters as well, and I loved them. And I remember when I was, in the, in the, I was a soldier in the army, and I did two years, and I remember her writing letters to me, and I cherished these letters. You know, the corporal would call and say, you'd, you know, call out to those that had letters, Sivarite, come here. And, and I just, I warned her, just don't, whatever you do, don't, don't put lipstick on and put a little kiss on the letter, because that's going to be bad, they're going to they're gonna punish me for that, or don't put perfume in the letter, you know, people, people do those things, you know, but anyway, I cherish those letters, I, I wonder if today we've replaced letters with voice notes, you know, WhatsApp voice note or whatever, we don't, we don't write anymore, but I love letters, and I'm going to read a portion of a letter, or a le- I'm going to read a letter to you this morning from, from Jesus, in fact, uh, through the Apostle John, he was on an island called P- Patmos, he was he was banished there for his faith, for believing in Christ. He was sent to this isolated island. And an angel came and gave a revelation to him, a prophetic word from the Lord to, to write to seven different churches, in fact. And uh, this, the letter we're looking at is, uh, is the last letter that he wrote to the church in Laodicea. And we, we'll read that a little, a little just now. But uh, a little about this church, uh, nothing positive was said about this church or to this church. There's a church in the, in the book of Revelation called Philadelphia, and there was nothing negative written to the church. In fact, this church, nothing positive 
was written to it. Nothing good was said. I wonder what Jesus would say to the church, Christ Church in Crawley. I wonder what he would say to you. Um, if he had to write a letter to you. I wonder what he would say to our church, Four West Community Church. And I'm a little nervous to ask him to write us a letter. But uh, I like honesty, so I, I wouldn't mind if he gave us the good and the bad. Because, you know, if, if we know the bad, we can change. If we know the good, we can be encouraged. And so we shouldn't be afraid for the Lord to ask the Lord to write us a letter. What would he write to you as an individual? What would he write to me as an individual? Um, and I thought we could uh, look into it. Wouldn't you like to, to delve into the, the word this morning? And the first thing he does is he gives them a scathing rebuke. Uh, he, he's, he's very tough with them. He gives some hard words. And he says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 16. He says, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. He says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I've come to encourage you this morning, I promise you. (laughs) I really am. And, uh, you know, I'm not here to flatter you and just tell you what's good. Um, I'm also here to tell you that we need to change. We always can make adjustments. The Lord loves us. But he always wants more from us and of us. Not more works and not more legalism, but he wants more of us. And so we'll see from this wonderful letter. Uh, it's an honest and truthful diagnosis. And maybe over the process of time, this particular church or these particular individuals were on fire for God. Do you remember when you first got saved? I remember I grew up in a town called Hillcrest, very close to where James used to live. And uh, I, had a, I wasn't a Christian till the age of 22, and uh, I, I didn't know how to live. So I was a little bit of a, is a hooligan a, a word that you even use here? I was a bit of a hooligan. I was into all sorts of, of bad stuff. Whatever there was to do that was bad, I did it. And not bragging about it, it's just the reality that I face myself. Maybe it's my personality. But I got saved in this town, and, uh, and I was on fire. Literally, the whole town knew that I got saved. They knew about me before for the wrong reasons, <laughs> but they got to know me, I think, for the good reasons because I was so radical on fire for God. But how many of us were on fire and sold out at one stage of our lives and we just, we just got familiar with that and we started to drift from that coal? How many of us got comfortable with the temperature of lukewarmness. And uh, Jesus doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be hot or cold because he can do something with that. He can do something with cold and certainly he can stoke the the fire. But with lukewarmness, there's not much. So many Christians, it's disappointing in our local church to see how many people are just happy to get by with mediocre, just average, you know, just just to get by, content with comfortableness. And uh, so, so this particular city in Laodicea, they would understand what Jesus meant when he spoke about being lukewarm. He used different imagery for each of these churches. And this one, I don't know if you knew, know this, but if you, if you go into the history of this church, they didn't have their own spring of water. So they had to uh, canal this water. 
They had to go to another source and, and they would build these, these channels and they had to channel the water to Laodicea. Can you imagine the, uh, how it got, the water got defiled and picked up all the rubbish and debris and the sun baked on it and by the time it got to them it was lukewarm. I don't know if you, maybe I shouldn't say this in church, but uh, have you ever had a, 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 a lukewarm beer? It's terrible. I haven't had one since I've been here. A lukewarm beer. But uh, have you ever, some of you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't drink Coke. Coca-Cola is bad for you. Rather drink water. But if you've drunk a, a lukewarm Coke, is that nice? If, if you like lukewarm beer or Coke, you're weird. You know? <laughs> but they, they knew this imagery. They, they, you, you know, if you drink something, you, you want to spit it out. And that's, in fact, what we taste like to the Lord. It's not, he's not talking about our salvation. I believe our salvation is, is secure, but our, our relationship with Him, as we commune with Him, if we're lukewarm, it's like He wants to spit us out of His mouth. It's like not, He doesn't want to reject us. It's not about rejection. It's, it's about more about we don't taste so good. He'd rather you're cold. I mean, if you drink a nice cold beer, it's nice. If you drink a nice warm, hot is, no, you didn't, do you drink lukewarm tea? No, okay, there we go. And nine, okay, okay, just, just chill, okay? Don't shout at me. You know, I know nothing about tea. I'm from South Africa. But uh, you want to drink a nice hot cup of tea. And uh, so that's the imagery that he's, he's, he's sharing with them. You know, Jesus spoke to seven churches and, and he said some of them made him angry. You know, it's a church can make Jesus angry. Some of them made him weep. This made him sick. And I don't want to be found in that position. I don't want to be lukewarm. And uh, I'm sure in seasons of our lives we get into that position. As a church, I don't want our church to be lukewarm. I don't want the Lord to, to view us and say, no, that church is just, they're just going through the motions. There's no fire. There's no passion. There's no zeal. They're just going through the motions. They're just singing the songs. They're just clapping when they should, putting up their hands. And the preaching is just... There's no zeal. There's no conviction. Would you like to be in a church like that? I wouldn't want to be in a church like that. I certainly wouldn't want to lead a church like that. And I'm sure you're not in a church like that. But, so these, were, were, these weren't atheists. They weren't... They, weren't, they, they were committed. They weren't immoral. Uh, they just weren't zealous. They weren't unbelievers. They were just happy to be lukewarm they weren't opposed to the gospel, but they were just going through the motions. And the, the challenge for you and I is we can get very comfortable and we can get very easily, we can find ourselves in that position where we're just going through the motions of our Christianity and, you know, say a prayer in the morning, read a, read a line of scripture and get on with your day and thank you, Lord, at the end of the day. And you, there's no relationship. There's no, there's no connection between us. And we're just on autopilot. And I've come to encourage you to... If that's you, just make some adjustments. And I'm sure we can all make some adjustments in our lives. Um, see, the world would call these kind of people moderates. You know, just, just don't rock the boat. You know, I lead a church uh, and I rock the boat all the time. Because the boat needs to be rocking. Because I know how complacent I can become and how we can become. And I'm not there to... To poke the bear for the fun of poking the bear. But I want us to be a church 
that, that's making a difference in the community, in the town. I want the church, I want the, 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 the community around us to know we exist, not because we are weird, you know, because a lot of, a lot of churches can be weird. It's like the community doesn't want to know them. You know, we, uh, uh, yeah, we, I was just telling James and Lisa, we find ourselves as a church, our location on Sunday is in a very peculiar place, a very unlikely place. We're in a shopping center, and uh, we are upstairs on the first floor. Below us is a restaurant called Hooters. <laughs> I don't know if you know Hooters. Now, now who wants to be next to Hooters? <laughs> you know, you want to be out in a, in a little village, out in the countryside, where you're not contaminated by the filth of the world. Am I right? No, no, I'm not right. We want to be in the world. Where was Jesus found? Jesus was found next to Hooters. He wasn't found isolated where the world had no access. But we also don't want to be so weird that the people that frequent Hooters, they, they never want to frequent our church as well. And, you know, I'm happy that they frequent the, the pub there. That's, that's their prerogative. They can do what they want. But I want them to be intrigued by what's happening upstairs. Amen? I want them to be like, gee, that's, these guys are, are they, they're zealous. They're full of life. They're passionate. They, they're interesting. You know, it's not like, oh, those holy Joes. They walk past us, past us on a Sunday morning. They look at us with this pharisaical look. It's like, what kind of sinful people are you? No, we don't want them to have that opinion of us. We want them to have an opinion. Gee, these are interesting people. Maybe, uh, you know, when I'm in a bad position, maybe I could go seek some help there. Maybe they could pray for me. Maybe they could encourage me. Maybe they could counsel me. And that's the, um, the vibe that we would like to, to, to give off. Uh, not, we don't want to be moderate. We don't want to be loved by the world and also be in the church. We, we don't mind the world uh, viewing us as differently, but we want to be attractive to the world. We don't want to blend in so much that, uh, you know, I, I was just saying that when we first moved in, now Hooters is a, is a restaurant where the girls dress quite uh, sensual. It's like, uh, I suppose that's their marketing strategy to attract the guys to drink more beer and to, um, to be perverts and look at the girls. I'm allowed to say that in church. Okay. <laughs> I said, you said I could be myself. But I, but I think that's their strategy. Um, I, I was trying to make a point. And uh, I clearly, I clearly not, not getting that point. Yeah, just thank you. Somebody's paying attention. <laughs> It's at home, it's usually my wife. I'll lose my way. I'll say, where was I? She'll say, you were there. And if I wasn't there, she'll tell me where I should be going. <laughs> so she's very helpful. But uh, we, don't want to be, uh, we don't want to blend into the world so much so that they can't see the difference. But we don't want to be, be so isolated from the world that they think we're weird. We need to be in the world, but we're not of the world. Um, you know, and the point I was trying to make is I was walking outside, out of the church one uh, Sunday morning. Like after a late meeting, and I see four young boys sitting on the veranda of Hooters eating. And I said, and now, what are you doing at this restaurant? To which they said, you know, the wings are great in this restaurant. Wings are really good. I just said, be, be careful. Don't mess around. Don't blend too much with the world. That doesn't mean we can't be in the world. We need to be in the world. And sometimes it gets messy. Our church is a messy church. We've got all sorts, all sorts, all colors, all tribes, all nations, or cultures, or nationalities, many nationalities, nationalities. 
We've got some gangsters, we've got cage fighters, we've got engineers, we've got architects, we've got uh, uh, ladies that work in, in people's homes. What, what, I don't know what you call uh, house helps. What do you, house help and stuff like that. We've got all sorts. You know, and, and every seat is important. You know, we have people coming to our church and say, well, you know, we had this famous person that came to the church and said, can you reserve some seats? We said, you're you, welcome. Of course we will res- reserve your seat. And every seat is reserved for you, so you're welcome to sit anywhere. Can we sit in the front? You know, can, you, can we sit in the front? You, you're welcome to sit in the front or the back, wherever you want to sit. But we're not going to put a, a sticker there say, this is for you. Anyway, so I'm actually having fun here, going all over the place. <laughs> but I'm getting to the point. The point is, he rebuked them. Secondly, he pointed out their, their deception. They were deceived. And in verse 17, he says, You say I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. How many of us in, uh, in Western society, in first world countries, or in affluent areas like where we live? We live in four ways. It's a very affluent area. It's a, a lot of entrepreneurs. It's a wealthy area. How many of us feel that way? We don't. What do we need? You know, um, I'm going off to Denmark tomorrow, in fact. My wife is from Denmark. Her folks are there. Her brother's there. We're celebrating her folks' 60th wedding anniversary. And I don't know if you've ever been to Denmark. They don't need God. Of course they do, but they think they don't. They've got everything. They are secure. The state looks after them. They are, look, they, they are safe. They've got nothing to worry about. They are rich. They've acquired wealth. They don't need a thing. They, all, they even don't need Jesus. The churches are dead. The churches are the, 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 the amount of people that even attend or, f- or fired up in, in local churches is, like, is dismal because they stay so secure in everything else. I wonder if Jesus would write a church. And I'm not, I'll, you know, I, we go there regularly to go s- preach the gospel. They, they like it when, when I come there because we come with a little bit of African life. You know, I'm an African, so we come with a little bit of life. And we actually talk about things that you're not allowed to talk about in the church. It's like, it's like what? Are we not allowed to preach the Bible? No, you can't. You'll get locked up. Now, the one time I was preaching in the church, and I had an interpreter, and I was watching my wife, and I'm preaching, and she's like, she's frowning. So I knew that he's not saying what I'm saying. He's like trying to make it palatable, make it nice. So I look at him, Philip, I say, are you, are you interpreting what I'm saying? He says, I, I'm not allowed to. He's like, who said you're not allowed to? It's in the Bible. Well, the government will, might lock you up. As you, if you walk out of this building, and if you keep preaching this, they might lock you up. To which I said, well, it won't be the first time I've been in jail. It was the first time I'd be in jail for the right reason, for preaching, for preaching the gospel. <laughs> but but we, 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 what about yourselves? Yeah? Um, you're secure. It's, 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 you're safe here compared to where, where I come from. You're secure. You've got a, maybe a good pension. The, the state will look after you. Uh, you're relatively safe, aren't you? Uh, you don't have many hijackings and murders in homes, like break-ins and murders in the homes here. I mean, we have that regularly. I'm not trying to just give you the facts. Don't get too comfortable in your place where you neglect the Lord and your relationship with the Lord. Is that, is that right if I say things like that? Yeah. Great, thank you. It says, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. <laughs> That's what the Lord says. That is, that is powerful. He's, uh, you see, this, this city sat on great wealth. Like a nation like De- Denmark. They sit on this, this great wealth and they, they're sufficient. And a lot of people in our suburbs 
where I live, we have these, I don't know if you've ever been to South Africa, but where I live, we've got high walls. You can't even look into our properties. We've got electric fences. An electric fence that if you touch it, you'll get like almost electrocuted. We've got these fences to keep people out. Is that crazy? We have to do that, I think, at times. Because it's, we live in such a violent society where there's so much murder and rape and all sorts of despicable acts. And we have to build these high walls. And we feel possibly safe and we, we, we try and preserve ourselves. Some of the poorest homes I've been in have been the most wealthy homes. Now, I am on the team with, with James and others and Lisa, and we travel the world. And sometimes we go to, well, I go often to Madagascar, which is probably the poorest nation in the, on the entire globe, Madagascar. And I've been in people's homes, uh, uh, poor people, uh, give you of, of their best, of their, their last and the most wealthy, or sometimes the most wealthy experiences I've ever had on these homes, the warmth of community and friendship and relationship. And these, these are poor people. They're not poor spiritually. I've been in some wealthy homes, and we have a, a suburb in, in, in our, uh, where I live called Danefern. You guys know it. It's like, I mean, it's, it's mega, 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 mega pounds to buy a home there. And sometimes they're the coldest homes. You walk in there, it's like, you think the ice queen has just left the place. It's just so cold. They're spiritually poor. That's what you They're blind. They're naked. That's, they, don't, they don't understand their condition. And what does this have to do with us? Well, I think at times we can even fall into that trap ourselves. We can, we, we can be blind and naked spiritually because we've drifted from the Lord. We're not passionate. We're not on fire. We're not hot. We're not cold. We're just lukewarm. And the world loves a lukewarm church. Uh, I like to poke the bear. I said that. I like to rattle our church a little bit, not just for the sake of it, but because we don't want to be lukewarm. Uh, the world loves that kind of church. You know, don't expect too much of me. Don't, don't expect me to come to that prayer meeting. Uh, how long is that prayer meeting going to be? Don't talk about money. You say uh, we, we believe in the principle of the tithe. This is my money, sir. Don't touch my money. Ah, when a guy says that, I want to touch his money. <laughs> when somebody says to me, tells me, don't, I'll go there. It's amazing that uh, when we sing this, I'll give you everything, Lord. I'll give you everything, Lord. Have you ever seen a guy being baptized and he goes under, he says, as I go under, I'll give you everything, Lord, and he's holding his wallet up? Except my money. I can be sitting with wealthy, wealthy, wealthy businessmen, entrepreneurs, and they tell me how they struggled, they've committed adultery, and their children on drugs, and all this kind of stuff. But don't dare talk about money. <laughs> oh, this is a very sensitive topic. It's just like very quiet. Yeah. We should be able to look at each other's bank accounts. What, what are you hiding? And I'm not here to try and get more money out of you for the church. <laughs> I'm having lots of fun here. I remember when I first... I was a businessman before I went into the ministry. I was a, uh, you know, I was a managing director of a large construction company. And so we were, we were well off. We were doing very well in Pangeni. And then we went into the ministry and 
you know, they paid us like one-eighth of what we were getting, but we didn't do it for the money. And uh, I remember when I went to the shops at one time, and I walked out of the sh- like a, uh, a clothing shop with some shoes, some nice sneakers, and this one business guy walked past me and said, oh, now I see where my tithe goes. I said, listen, sir, your tithe can't afford these shoes. <laughs> he didn't know what to say. Like, you know? I just said it for the fun of it. Don't think, well, why would you think your tithe bought my shoes in any case? You're not my provider. The church is not my provider. No person in the church is my provider. The tithe that you put in is not my provider. He's my provider. If you don't put money, he'll give me money from some other place. Amen? He is my source. Not a person, not a church. He is my source. But we do, we do say this in our church. We don't like stingy people. So, so I can get away. I'm just telling you what I do in our church. I would never do that here. I would never do that here. But this is what I do in our church. I say, if you're stingy, we, we serve free cappuccinos and Americanos on a Sunday morning. Plus minus 500 cappuccinos for free every Sunday morning. And I say, if you come here and you drink it, you're here for a year, and you drink a cappuccino and you never put a cent or a dime or whatever is a penny. If you never put a penny and you just drink our cappuccinos for a whole year, you stingy little man. <laughs> you're welcome to come to this church as you are, but you're not welcome to stay as you are. So if you're going to remain stingy, you must go find another church. We don't have many chairs available in our church, so I need more chairs. I promise you, there's nothing, you might say, think that's rude. I'm South African. In our, my culture, that's not rude. It's you stingy. You're never going to give anything. You're sitting on a chair that I want somebody else to take. If you can't find another church, I will help you, sir. <laughs> but we can't remain stingy, am I right? Am I, am I wrong? Please challenge me at the end of this meeting. Say you're wrong. Maybe the way I've said it, I apologize. But what I'm saying, I don't apologize for. Jesus, God gave Jesus his, his most beloved. How can we remain stingy? We can't. And they were stingy. They they were lukewarm. They, uh, they went to an easy religion. And I need to kind of wrap this thing up. So let me talk about the cure. So he rebukes them. He reveals their deception. And then he, he brings a cure. In verse 18, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you may become rich. He's not talking about sp- uh, economical r- r- wealth. We want to be rich in spirit and in relationship. He says, and white clothes to wear. He's going to give us some white clothes. White clothing represented a purity at that time. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. And so he's talking about spiritual poverty. I said we live in an affluent area, very wealthy area, but people are just, they lean. Their souls are lean. They may have huge bank accounts, but their, their souls are, are pitifully lean. There's no substance. There's no connection. There's no, there's no, they don't have the wealth of, the spiritual wealth that Christ gives to you now. And he has a cure. He, he gives of, of himself. He, he takes away our, you know, when we stand before God in our own self-righteousness, we are naked. He sees right through it. But we, when we stand before God 
in the righteousness of Christ that he purchased on the cross for us, we are clothed in white robes and he covers our, our nakedness. He covers our shame. Because the reality is all of us are shameful. The things we have done outside of Christ, we are shameful. We, the things we have done. You know, I said this to our church, uh, I think actually last week, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress like you are, if, if you had to take all my thoughts, all my deeds, and all my words and put them on the screen, I, you'd be horrified. You would run out of this church. You won't even, you'll go, run right through that door. It's so shameful. And the reality is the same of yours. If, I, if we had to take every thought you had, put it up there, would you be happy? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pursu- I hope one day that I'll get to that place where every word I say, every, every, the way I treat my wife, 24-7. At the moment, I can't put it up there because I'm still a work in progress. And I think I treat her pretty decently, but not perfectly. Not like I should, not perfectly. I don't always, I'm not always kind to her. But you're a pastor. I know. I shouldn't be a pastor. I don't know why I'm a pastor. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus called me, and then I'll just get on with the job. But uh, he'll cover our shame. The stuff we did in the past. I, was, I only became a Christian at the age of 22. And the, the shameful stuff I got involved in before that was, was embarrassing. Shameful. But I stand before you not as a shameful one now. I stand before you as a child of God. I stand before you as a son of a son of God. Is that right? A son of God. I stand before you righteous. Not in my own ability or what I've done in him. I stand before you pure in mind, in thought, in word, and in deed. Because he's taken my sin and covered my shame and clothed me in robes of righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? He who has sinned much loves much. I understand this wonderful gift of salvation that he's given given us. And then lastly, he gives us hope. Verse 19, those whom I love are rebuke and discipline. Don't be upset when the Lord rebukes you or disciplines you, whether he does it by the Holy Spirit or if he uses a donkey like me. Or James, or a good man like James. <laughs> don't, don't be upset. Let the Lord, I, if he wants to rebuke me, it's not always pleasant. But when he rebukes me, I say, Lord, I'm a quick learner. Maybe wasn't very top of the class at, in school, but I'm streetwise. It's like when the Lord's trying to teach me a lesson, I say, Lord, let's negotiate here. You're trying to teach me something. I want to learn quickly because I don't like this. I'm not comfortable and I'm I'm listening. Teach me quickly, Lord, so we can move on. (laughs) But I'm not scared of a rebuke. not scared of discipline. I have invite. You know, when we sit down for lunch, uh, often this is what happens in in a church. A pastor like James will say to to someone like me, have you got any input in in the life of the church? I'll say, I've got nothing to say. You're doing a great job. Have you got any input, you know, for me? Because sometimes people like me that come to church like this can be unhelpful. You can say the wrong things, and I'm sure you've got a whole list already of things that you don't want me to say next time. But the church of Laodicea, they understood this, this. He said, I've got salve to heal your eyes because they were traded in that eye ointment. And uh, 
Suppose the point he's trying to make is, this is the way I illustrated. Our churches can become like a facades or shop fronts. You know, you know these shop fronts in a, in a shopping center, a strip mall. You walk down and they, they've got these, this display. It's very enticing. You want to buy that bag or those shoes or those dress or those clothes. They, they put their best there. It's all positioned to catch the eye. And our churches can become like that. Our lives can become like that. Facades. They pretense. And we, you know, I've never enjoyed tele-evangelists. But at the beginning of lockdown, I became a tele-evangelist. Because it's the only way I could communicate with our church. We were locked in our homes. Do you remember when we were locked in our homes? We couldn't mix with human beings. <laughs> it was terrible, eh? Now, you know, it's quite weird for us. It's like we feel a little naked. Because we don't have masks on. It's like back home, there, we still have to, if we walk in the, up until a month ago, if we walk in on the street alone, you have to wear a mask. I mean, how, how dumb is that? <laughs> you walk in on, in a street alone, there's nobody within 500 meters with you. Where's your mask, sir? Put your mask on. So what? I, I find that crazy. Maybe I should stop there. I shouldn't go. But now we walked down this morning, we went down to for breakfast, and we were like thinking, where's our mask? We don't have to wear a mask. I love England. <laughs> I love Boris, uh, I was going to say Boris Yeltsin. I love Boris Johnson at the, at the moment for now. Only because of the mask. For another, no other reason. Let me just not get political and let's wrap this up. He says, uh, so be earnest and repent. Repent. All of us, we, we live a life of repentance. Not, not to gain salvation or not to gain God's favor or his love. That's settled on the cross it was settled. But to keep a, a communication, to keep a relationship we, we do that. We, we, we live a life of repentance. Lord, I'm sorry for speaking to Susanna like that when I was a little bit frustrated. That was unkind. Please forgive me, Lord. And I want to keep the relationship here and the relationship here. And we live a life of repentance. Now, you could say this is a harsh letter with some sharp words, but it's done in love. He's trying to help them and remind them. The Puritans used to say that soft words produce hard hearts, and hard words produce soft hearts. I believe that. He wanted to show them. And verse 20, he says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's knocking on the door. He wants to come in and eat. Now he's not, he's talking to Christians here, I believe. Often we use that as for unbelievers. But I think the Lord is knocking on some of our hearts. It's like we are saved, we, we Christ followers, but we, there's no, he wants to, Sup with us. He wants to commune with us. We uh, met up with uh, James and Lisa yesterday. Now we don't didn't we did, up until then we didn't know you guys too well, and so we we we, we got into your home, and uh, and we sat for a, for a good four hours, a few hours, and and we had scones and tea and and jam and clotted cream, and it was great. James baked that. And then Lisa had this wonderful chicken in the oven and they've, they've, we were so blessed by their hospitality at the end of the evening we were like laughing and having fun we know you we, were, we broke bread with you that's what he wants to do it was a wonderful time just getting to know you guys and we appreciate you and thank you for risking it is risk I know I'm a very big risk to have us in the t- <laughs> to, <laughs> to have us in the church and thank you for, for, for allowing us to come it's, we had a wonderful time and hopefully we have a ongoing relationship with you but we are not so we just got home and we were just so blessed by your your genuine warm 
generous hospitality. We felt so welcome. We felt that we've known you forever. That's what God wants to do. He wants to come and, and eat with you. Don't, 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 he's knocking at the door. Um, he's knocking at the door. And he calls us to repent. So I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to pray. Thank you. I hope uh, something's encouraged you. Should I just pray? Well, I, let's pray. I don't know if, the, if you're here this morning and you've never crossed the line of faith, you don't know Jesus, I would love to pray with you. Um, I'd love to, to help you. You know, you may have been coming to church for years, but you, 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 you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about. He doesn't, he's knocking at your door. You can feel him. You can hear him. You, he wants you to open. He wants to come. If you're a non-Christian, he wants to come into your life. Even if you're a Christian, you've Maybe shut the door out of pain or shame or busy, excuse me, busyness. So, Father, I pray for these precious brothers and sisters of mine. I don't know them, but they know you, and, and I know you, and, and, and you, our Father. We have the same Father. All of us, every single one of us in the room that's, that has accepted you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. We have the, you, our Father. We have the same Father. We are brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful thing. And if I had to go to every home, we would, we would, there would be a connection. There would be something special we would share. We would, there would be a connection straight away. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, if you're here, friend, sir, ma'am, if you don't know Jesus, you can just in your heart right now just call out upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You can cross the line of faith right then and there. Right? Yeah, right now. You may be here and you, you've just become very comfortable in your lukewarm state. You're busy. You've got stuff to do. Families to raise. Jobs to get to. Bills to pay. And you've lost that first love. You've grown, uh, you've grown, you've become complacent and you're lukewarm. Father, please, would you come by your Holy Spirit and just minister to those of us that are in a lukewarm condition here. Just fire us up again. Warm us up so we would be hot. Those that are cold, that are far from you, I pray that you'd bring your fire and just consume them with your, the fire, the warm, loving fire of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for this church, Christ Church Crawley and James and Lisa and the team. Bless them, Lord. They've been faithful for so many years. It's not easy leading church. Not easy. But it's what you've called us to do, and we do it faithfully. But thank you for their faithfulness, Lord. We pray for huge reward. And not so much in this life, but in the life to come. We pray for many salvations, that you'd give them strategy and salva- a strategy to, to reach lost people. So many lost people in this community and surrounding communities that need to be one by the love of Christ. I pray that you'd fire up every single person in this congregation, that they would not be weird, but they would be found in, in ungodly circles to share, to shine their light, and to be salt in those communities. Not to blend in and, and just to become part of, but, and not to be weird and isolated, but to be in of the world, but not of the world. And I pray for many 
divine opportunities for every single one to share the gospel, to invite people to church. I pray that this church would, would grow into an invitational culture, that every person would forever be looking for opportunity to invite somebody to church. And we pray for many salvations. Protect them and bless them, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.